Good morning. It's, uh, is it my turn already? Hey, great job you did. I'm not complaining, you understand, but what a great time in worship. In fact, would you uh, give praise for how the Lord used our praise man today? Thank you so much. Extra strings today, I think we had. Love that. Thank you so very much. Good to see you today and always glad. Welcome, welcome back to some of you. So we're glad to have you today. Would you find in your Old Testament, 2 Kings chapter 7, going to be reading uh, verses 3 through 10. 2 Kings chapter 7, verses 3 through 10 uh, to be, but we're glad to see you today. It's still a kind of a time of new beginnings, we understand. We almost feel like it should be uh, fall, but when we, we're reminded, we walk outside, it's still summer, but still new beginnings, and we're glad that you're here. Last week, we prayed uh, for all of our students and kindergarten through graduate school, even though some of them weren't here, some are back now, we prayed for you, and uh, so we're glad that you're here today as well, And uh, but we're going to pray uh, today, particularly for Parkway Preschool, and uh, in fact, I'm going to have Dawn, Dawn, would you stand for just a moment, we want everybody to see you, there she is, we'll have Dawn, she's been our Parkway Preschool Director for, is this your 12th or 11th time, 12th, 11th, 11th time that's going, but we appreciate the good job that Dawn has done. I'm going to let you be seated, and I'm going to tell you why, because we had several in our first service, and I said, would all of our teachers and parents stand? And they all looked at one another, and the first one didn't, so nobody else did. So I said, I'm going to pray for you anyway, whether you stand or not. So we have several here, of course, who are teachers, several parents, perhaps parents of uh, Parkway preschoolers. Wave at us, if you would. If you're a teacher of Parkway, there are several hands there in the middle. All right, maybe I should have made y'all stand, but we appreciate you. And uh, But we, we want to pray for you. We realize that... Jesus said, let the children come unto me and do not hinder them for of such is the kingdom of God. What a great ministry that we have as a part of Parkway Baptist Church. There's not a, hardly a week that goes by that somebody doesn't stop me or I'm meeting, tell them I'm at Parkway. They say, oh, our children go to Parkway or preschoolers went to Parkway. Uh, we have several groups that come. We've got, of course, Parkway members who are part of Parkway Preschool. We do have members of other churches who send their children to Parkway Preschool. They know it is a great, wonderful, Christ-centered preschool. And we also have many who are unchurched that come to Parkway Preschool to send their children here. And so we're, we're partnering with these teachers and these parents who are here and those who are not here, 175 or so kids, 35-plus teachers uh, and workers in Parkway Preschool. So not to take too much time, but this is the beginning. So I want to encourage you to pray for uh, with me for Parkway Preschool as we continue to plant seeds, reach families, help children to come to know and partner with these parents and grandparents as well. Let's pray together now. Gracious Heavenly Fathers, we come to you in this place. We thank you that we can come and bring worship to our holy God. We know that you are, as we've sung about, high and lifted up, and we thank you for this opportunity, Father, to be in this very place. And so it is here that we come commissioning these teachers, recognizing these parents and preschoolers and, uh, and the love that Jesus has for children. And we thank you that we can partner with them in uh, planting seeds and helping children to understand the unconditional agape love that has been bestowed upon them because of our Lord and Savior. And Father, we pray for this year as they, uh, children begin this week. And uh, Father, we just pray that this will be a place which will be a safe place to come, not only physically but spiritually, where God's Name will continue to be exalted. Children will learn many, many Bible stories, learn more and more about the Lord so that they can come to the place that they will receive 
Christ as their Savior and Lord and pray for these families who are unchurched. May we point them to Jesus, point them to Parkway or to a church where they can continue to grow in the Lord or come to know Jesus as Savior and Lord. Now, Father, we pray this very hour. Thank you for how already you've been at work during our worship time. And, Father, we continue to bring you worship as we lift up, uh, read God's Word, lift up your name. And, Father, we uh, pray even now that we may come confessing sin, laying our needs at the altar, uh, knowing that... Uh, you are here ready to meet with us. May nothing distract us from what your word has to say. It's in the precious name of the Lord Jesus we pray. Amen and amen. This now is the word of God. 2 Kings chapter 7. We'll be reading verses 3 through 10. You want to keep your Bibles open and be looking at uh, some of these verses more closely and verses are surrounding them as well. 2 Kings chapter 7 verse 3 says, Now there were four men who were lepers. At the entrance of the gate, and they said to one another, Why are we sitting here until we die? If we say, Let us enter the city, the famine's in the city, and we shall die there. And if we sit here, we die also. So now come and let us go over to the camp of the Syrians. If they spare our lives, we shall live. If they kill us, we shall but die. So they rose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. But when they came to the edge of the camp of the Syrians, behold, there was no one there. For the Lord had made the army of the Syrians hear the sound of chariots, and of horses, sound of a great army, so that they said to one another, Behold, the king of Israel is hired against us, the kings of the Hittites, and the kings of Egypt to come against us. So they fled away in the twilight and abandoned their tents, their horses, and their donkeys, leaving the camp as it was, and fled for their lives. And when these lepers came to the edge of the camp, they went into a tent and ate and drank, and they carried off silver and gold and clothing and went and hid them. Then they came back and entered another tent, carried off things from it, and went and hid them. Then they said to one another, We are not doing right. This day is a day of good news. If we are silent, wait until morning light. Punishment will overtake us. Now therefore come, let us go and tell the king's household. So they came, called to the gatekeepers of the city, and told them, We came to the camp of the Syrians, and behold, there was no one to be seen or heard there. Nothing but the horses tied and the donkeys tied and the tents as they were. May the Lord bless the reading of His Holy Word today. It was the worst of times, and it was the best of times. This actually could be the theme for this particular episode in the life of Israel that could arguably, arguably be the uh, uh, worst siege on the city of uh, Israel until the time of the exile that turned out to be one of the best times for Israel as well. It was the worst of times, it could be said, about the world in which we live today for various reasons and all the things that are happening in the world. In fact, it could be said about many times in the history of the world. It was the best of times, it could be said, about that today of all those who have called upon Jesus and know Christ as their Savior and Lord and put their hope and encouragement in Him. In fact, many will not know how good God is until they have seen God at work during difficult times and it becomes some of the best times. It may be true what they say, that uh, without pain there is no gain in understanding more and more about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in growing in Him. Four forgotten lepers there at the forefront of this particular story. Difficult days for the king of Israel and the people in the city of Samaria. Four outcasts with a skin disease witness a miracle of God and they declare in 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 9, we read it a moment ago, this day is a day of good news. Either you are in need of good news today 
or you are in need to share good news with others or both. All of us are in need of encouragement today, but all how the Lord wants to use us to bring good news and encouragement to others or both. Now, the Syrians are again at war with Israel. This time they brought the entire army in order to besiege the city of Samaria. It was not all that uncommon to use this, that once they come into a, to a walled city and surround that city and they just wait them out. Just wait till they uh, have no more food and no more water. No one's going out and no one's going in until there's a great famine that is happening inside that very city to where they starve to death or they surrender. Well, this is what Syria is doing to Israel and all the people living in the city of Samaria, including Elisha the prophet, king of Israel. All of the elders are inside of Israel. Things are really getting bad. Well, look back at chapter 6 and verse 25. Chapter 7 is a continuation of the last part of chapter 6. But in chapter 6 and verse 25, kind of gives us an idea of how bad things were. It says, And there was a great famine in Samaria, and they besieged it until a donkey's head was sold for 80 shekels of silver and a fourth part of a cab of a dove's dung for, several, for five shekels of silver. Now, things that they would not have thought about eating before now are being sold for exorbitant prices. And even worse, cannibalism is about to take place. Even mothers eating their own children. It was not good times. Terrible and desperate times, to say the least. Now, without over-spiritualizing this passage, uh, we realize that most of us have never experienced this kind of hunger, although we do know that there are people who are hungry all over the world today. However... We have seen people who have been desperate measures spiritually hungry for something. They may not always know what it is, but they've been in such hunger that sometimes they will sacrifice anything, including their own bodies, sometimes their families and even their children, maybe through drugs, alcohol, the pursuit of worldliness or wealth or even false religions to satisfy a spiritual hunger that only God can satisfy. satisfy. Now here's some good news. You're following along in your notes Here's some good news for you or good news for you to share with others, and it is this. God wants to give you what you are in pursuit of for free by placing your faith in Jesus. Yes, people will pay any price for whatever it is that they're missing, that they're in pursuit of, and God wants to give it to you for free if you place your faith in Jesus alone. Again, see the picture of what is happening. Samaria, the capital of Israel, the northern kingdom, a walled city is all boarded up. The enemy is outside the city ready to attack. Inside the city, a famine is taking place. They're running out of food. But outside the gate, as we've already read, there's plenty of food. You know, the Bible tells us in New Testament, Romans chapter 6, tells us that we are, we're all at one time slaves to sin. Still, people are slaves to sin. Sometimes even believers live as if they are still slaves to sin. But in Romans 6, it tells us once we become servants of the living God, then we are set free. Whatever you or anyone is in search of to satisfy a hunger, a hunger for more stuff, a hunger for more meaning to life, a hunger for more popularity, it cannot be satisfied by anything in this world or nothing that this world has to offer. Even a billion-dollar lottery ticket cannot satisfy what you are in search of. It's only found by placing your faith in Jesus alone by His grace. And He wants to give it to you free of charge. Stop trying to earn your way. Stop trying to pay your way or keep searching for that which you think will bring you peace 
and satisfaction that cannot be bought. Earlier in 2 Kings chapter 6, we talked about the time when Elisha and his servant, and they were surrounded uh, by the Syrian army in the city of Dothan. We discovered it was not Dothan, Alabama, but it was Dothan there in the Promised Land. And now we find an even greater army, all of the Syrian army, they've surrounded the city of Samaria. Elisha will find he's going to show great courage. He's going to have great faith. But the king of Israel and everyone else is panicked, maybe naturally so. And again, we're surrounded in this fallen world. We live in a day of evil and corruption, wars, disease, illness, death. Fighting in the streets of Montgomery by the river has been on national news this entire week. Even in Maui, the place that we would consider paradise on earth, we have found that there are wildfires that have killed people and destroyed lives. What kind of world are we living in? Will we remain courageous? Will we continue to trust in God? Or will we live desperate lives and show little hope? Or, as is often the case, we will maybe just have apathy, lack of care and concern of lots of things that are happening in the world unless it really affects us or maybe those that we care about. Well, you can be sure, living in a fallen world, unless you're following Jesus, it will affect your world sooner or later. Now, let, let's look at the reaction of the king of Israel. Now, here's the king of Israel. He was the king of God's people. He was to be an example to the people. He was to be a servant of the people. But we're going to follow his reaction back in 2 Kings chapter 6, in verse 30. And there it says in verse 30, When the king heard the words of the woman... He tore his clothes. Now he, he was passing by on the wall. And the people looked and behold, he had sackcloth beneath on his body. When it talks about he heard the words of the woman, he was talking about a woman who had complained because her child had been eaten in cannibalism and that uh, she was uh, wanting another child. These were terrible times. The king tore his robes because of the grief of the conditions of the people. And he must have surmised that this was happening because of Israel's disobedience and the disobedience of the king. He wore next to his body sackcloth, which usually would have been a symbol of repentance. But in this case, the repentance of the king, it was either not genuine it was, or it was short-lived because of what's said in the very next verse. Verse 30, excuse me, verse 31. We read 30, verse 31. It said, May God do so to me and more also if the head of Elisha, the son of Shaphat, remains on his shoulders today, instead of taking responsibility for himself, instead of going in true repentance, instead he was blaming Elisha. Much like some people, when they see evil happening to them around the world, instead they seek to blame God as well. Or earlier in this chapter, the king of Syria wanted the head of Elisha because Elisha always knew what the king of Syria and the army was doing and he was protecting Israel. So the king of Israel may have thought, I'm going to take the king of Elisha and I'm going to present it to the king of Syria, to the Syrian army, and maybe they'll let us live. The king sent a messenger to Elisha, but before he even arrived, Elisha knew that he was coming as he always seemed to know what was happening by the Lord's direction. We read verse 31 in chapter 6. Look at verse 32. It says, Elisha was sitting in his house, and the elders were sitting with them. Now the king had dispatched a man from his presence, but before the messenger arrived, Elisha said to the elders, Do you see how this murderer has sent to take off my head? Look, when the messenger comes, shut the door, hold the door fast against him. 
is not the sound of his master's feet behind him. In other words, I want you to shut the door. Don't let that messenger in until the king gets there. And then in verse 32, the king says, or maybe the messenger says, for the king, in verse 33, he says, while he was still speaking, the messenger came down and said, this trouble is from the Lord. Why should I wait for the Lord any longer? In other words, the king had given up. He decided he's going to send the head of Elisha to Syria, and he's going to surrender to Syria, and he had given up. Now, we've already read ahead. We know what's going to happen. But the king did not know, nor did the people who are living in desperate times know. So, so here's some good news when you're not able to see what's going to happen. If you're in desperate times or you're wondering what's going to happen next, hang in there. Wait on God. Even the most desperate times, He will come through at just the right time. Don't give up. Don't give up on God. Now, my grown children now have children of their own, and they're now experiencing maybe what some of people that are my age or have children, had children, they're experiencing sleep deprivation. And every now and then they'll say something, they'll say like, uh, they love their children, of course. They say, they never sleep in. And anytime I want to put them down for a nap and I've got lots to do or I need to take some rest, they sleep about 20 minutes. So my only advice is, hang in there because one of those children is going to be able to cut your grass someday. Listen, I had girls, so... Well, they still had to cut the grass, but I promise you not one of them could ever walk a straight line with a lawnmower. I, I realize now they, it was on purpose so that I'd do it. Now, understand, this is not a don't worry, be happy theology. This is not let's look at the world through rose-colored glasses or the sun's going to come out tomorrow. This is rain or shine, the sun, S-O-N, is always at work. The Son knows what you're going through. He is always at work for our good. He's always at work in order that His name might be glorified also. Many people have been in desperate times and they have attempted taking their life and have survived. They've come back to say, oh, if they just waited 24 hours, they would not have attempted the very thing in which they did. Literally, for the Israelites, under siege in the city of Samaria, 24 hours made a difference. Look at chapter 7 and verse 1. We started verse 3 a minute, moment ago, but in verse 1 it says, But Elisha said, Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, Tomorrow about this time a sea of fine flour shall be sowed for a shekel, two seahs of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. Now I know that you understand that verse because you know all about seahs and shekels, don't you? So you knew exactly what Elisha was getting at. But if I were to tell you today that uh, at the Kroger's or at the Winn-Dixie's that tomorrow... A dozen eggs are going to be a dollar and milk's going to be two dollars. You knew exactly what I'm talking about. You know that was a good price because you buy milk and eggs. Well, all those who heard Elisha understood what he was saying. By this time tomorrow, there's going to be plenty of food and it's going to be cheap to buy. Now that, now that would take a miracle. I mean, there was no barley, there was no flour to buy that he said that it could buy. After all, the prices had been exorbitant, ridiculous prices for things that they would not even eat otherwise. And in chapter 7, 2 Kings chapter 7 and verse 2, we find the captain, the king's right-hand man, saying, even if the Lord opened its windows, this thing could not take place. He did not believe it. Now, maybe he was talking about if the windows of heaven, as far as all the rain come, that we could grow gardens, it wouldn't take place in a day. Or maybe all the things of heaven would not be able to fulfill this. But 
he would not believe it. Elisha told the captain, you will see this take place within 24 hours, but you will not eat any of it. And that became true. But how are God's going to do this? How is he going to turn the famine into feasting? How is he going to turn the desperation into fine dining? How is he going to take the worst of times and make it into the best of times? You know, because we've read ahead. But now we get to the heart of the story. and I love it when God uses the most unlikely people to be the heroes of the story, like young David fighting Goliath, like uh, fearful Gideon who became the great warrior and the leader of God's army, like the 12 disciples, most of them mere fishermen that the Lord used to turn the world upside down. And here he does it again with lepers of all people. Well, maybe if God can use lepers, I love this kind of in the themes in the Bible because if God can use these people, then I'm thinking surely God can use me and he can use you. We've talked about leprosy being one of the most devastating of diseases. While those with this debilitating skin disease would be ostracized from society, these four lepers who found one another have formed a community living outside the city gates whereby they probably hung around the gates but not too close, maybe so that some coins would be thrown at them so that people were thinking if they throw coins, maybe these peace lepers will go away. But here they are, they're caught in the middle. They're like the rest of Israel, they're dying of starvation. And so they reason together as a group of four. They think, well, now if we go into the city, even if they let us in, there's famine in the city there too, we're going to die. If we stay here outside the city near the gates and just sit here, we're going to die. But there's the Syrian camp right over there. If we go to the Syrian camp where there's plenty, if we go there, who knows, they may have mercy on us and give us something to eat. Or they may not, and we're going to die. But we're going to die anyway, so they find themselves heading toward the Syrian camp with no idea what they're going to find when they get to the camp. But here's some more good news. Your good plan does not compare to God's plan. Your good plan does not compare to God's plan. Now, the Lord did give us a brain and capacity for reason and logic. God wants us to use our heads and think about what we're doing. And it is true what a pair of morning talk show hosts say that uh, uh, when they talk about common sense must be a superpower because it doesn't seem that a lot of people have it these days. But whatever good plan you have, God's plan is better. Unless your plan has been saturated and empowered by God, God's plan is better. Be ready to submit to His plan. Better yet, as much as a human being can do, Make no plans without God. Make your heart a blank page and allow God to be able to write on the plans of your heart in your life, in your daily life. It's not always easy to do. Oh, it takes great faith and great courage. In the story, the lepers came to the edge of the camp. In their minds, this is do or die time, literally. They'll either have mercy on us or, or feed us or they'll see that we're Israelites and lepers, kind of a double whammy against us and they'll kill us right there on the spot. But to their surprise, as they go to the camp, there's no one in the camp. All the tents are still up. Horses and mules are still there, and all the belongings are there. Since they had, uh, the Syrians had decided to wait out the starvation of Israel, they must have come with lots of supplies that no matter how long it took, they were going to wait until Israel either starved to death or until they surrendered. But to their surprise... There's no one in the camp. The four lepers are unaware of what's happened. But the writer of 2 Kings tells us what has taken place. A 
apparently during this season of Elijah and Elisha, the Lord must have wanted to do lots of miracles with chariots and horses. Because it was just a few chapters before this that Elijah was ushered up into heaven in a whirlwind, ushered by horses and chariots of fire. In the previous chapter, we find that Elisha and his servant, they're surrounded in the city of Dothan. The Lord, uh, or Elisha prayed that the Lord had opened the eyes of his servant. And what does he see? He sees surrounding the city, God's horses and chariots of fire. And now we find here the Syrian army, all of the Syrian army, what do they hear? They don't see them, but they hear chariots and horses, noise of a great army. They think it's the Egyptians coming from the south. It's the Hittites coming from the north in order to save the Israelites. But it's the noise of the army of God. And in a panic, they drop almost everything, flee across the, till they get to the Jordan River and leave everything behind. Well, another miracle is taking place. Our God is a creative God. Now, I want you to notice the timing in verse 5 where it says about when, they, when the lepers came, so they arose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. Notice the timing in verse 7 to where it says also, so they fled away in the twilight and abandoned their tents. Just as one was coming in, the other was going out. Now, I've, I've read there's a difference between dusk and twilight. I mean... There's a, maybe even a twilight at evening and twilight in the morning. This is the twilight in the evening. But it's not exactly the same as dusk. It's a particular time that is taking place. At the same time as the lepers are going to the camp, the Syrians are hearing the army of the Lord, and in a panic they all leave. So much so the miracle that the leopards do not hear, but they come at the exact same time that that is happening. Maybe the point being that when you're in your most desperate time, when you're at the time that you think this is the very worst thing that could be happening, you can know that God is always at work in ways that we could not fathom. Even when we do not know what God's up to, we must trust that God is always at work. In 2020, maybe even in 2019, I know it was before COVID hit, that we were putting together for our church a five and ten year vision plan for the 2020s. And we had action plans and goals. We were kind of... we. we began to put something under the theme of uh, wanting people, wanting to, uh, new people, seeking new people for Christ with new life and next steps found in Jesus. We have ways in which we are going to do that and things that we, that the, we believe the Lord wanted us to accomplish. Now, when COVID hit, our real thoughts were, I guess we're going to put that off for a while. But God continued to be faithful. And while, yes, some things slowed down for a short time, the Lord continued to be at work. We've continued to see people come to know Christ as Lord and Savior. More people be discipled. More ministry work being done. Some of the ministry work being done that we've been involved in would not have been involved in had it not been for COVID. More giving than we thought possible. Uh, our, one of our goals, we were in debt. We want to be out of debt by the end of year 2023. By the end of this year, it was our goal Many scoffed at that go, but thought, well, why not? Why don't we at least try? And then by September of 2021, we were out of debt, and we had paid off all of our debt. Growing opportunities for missions abroad. Even by this year, we'd hope to see three or four mission trips by, maybe by this year. We had talked about a year, but we'll have, by the end of this year, seven mission trips will be completed by people of Parkway Baptist Church. And we're only beginning to see the vision of ministry opportunities perhaps that we did not even see. 
So our theme verse for this five and ten year plan is John 14, 6, where Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. But my theme verse for this particular year, for 2023, and seeing what the Lord has done so far, and the verse that we've shared, many of you have shared as well, is Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. It says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And how important is the last part of that? May God get all the glory. Well, the four lepers, they came to find the enemy is left. They're nowhere to be found. But all their stuff is still there. So what did the lepers do? Well, the same thing that you and I would have done, particularly for starving to death. They went in and they found some food and they ate and they drank until their hearts filled. And then they saw silver and gold and clothing in one tent and they took those out and they went and hid them, came into another tent and did the same thing and so on and so on so forth. They've won the lottery. It's the greatest day on earth for these four lepers who thought that they were destined to live destitute lives and they were preparing to die from starvation, expecting the worst, but experiencing the best from a worldly standpoint. Now, like all of Jesus' parables in the Gospels, this is also an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. For those who are in Christ, we're going through our worst as we submit to Him. God is using it for our best and for His glory in ways we could not imagine. Even when we come to the edge of death, not being told exactly what's on the other side, we get some glimpses from the Bible, but not everything, but we'll come to find out that there's a heavenly party that is waiting for us on the other side. Have you come to believe that this is true? That you can know that God is always at work in whatever that we're going through today, that He'll never leave us nor forsake us. And then when this life is over, that there's going to be a heavenly home prepared with Jesus and with others? Well, if so, don't keep it to yourself. Take a look again, chapter 7 and verse 9. We read it a moment ago where we find that the leper says, well, we've got to tell others. You've read it or you're reading it now. What was their motivation that they needed to tell others? Well, they were afraid of punishment. Can I tell you that is not your motivation for telling others about the love of God? It is not your motivation, but instead we want to be able to tell others because God loved you first. Because He loved you first, you love Him and He wants you to love others as well and to grow in our love to others. You want more people to come to know Jesus, those who are close to you, those who live on the other side of the world that you've never met and maybe some of those people that you know that you know don't love you. That's the way it works. And here's the good news that you need or you need to also maybe be able to share others that growing in Christ leads to sharing the good news. Growing in Christ leads to sharing the good news. If you're growing in Christ, you will grow in your desire to share the good news with others. Like the lepers, you'll not be satisfied with hoarding all that is good about being a follower of Jesus anymore. Why do you think He gives you spiritual gifts and fruits of the Spirit and a greater capacity to love? Because there's a world of people out there who are starving for something. Starving for something more. Who are enslaved to this world and to sin who need Jesus. If spiritually speaking, we're beggars telling other beggars where to find food, 
Well, let's find the best way to do just that. In our world here at Parkway Baptist Church, we often talk about what's next. How can we help one another to be able to find what's next? And so what we do here are tools to help people. Our front door, literally our front door, and front door for people coming is usually our worship service. We invite all people to come into our worship service, and we hope that our corporate worship helps people to be able to want to have personal worship as well. We discover that Jesus is the way. And once you become part of worship, and you don't have to wait for any of these, but you want to be in, uh, you want to have a community. Community, a small group. Our greatest capacity for small groups is our Sunday school, but we have small groups that meet during the week and Wednesday night, other places. Everyone needs community where we can study God's Word, where we can disciple, where we can grow in Christ and encourage others to be a part of that community as well. Then we want people to be involved in ministry. Every member is equipped. Every part of the, every person in the body of Christ is equipped for ministry. So we want to see how can we be involved in ministry in the church or through the church or even outside representing the church somewhere in the community as well. And then if you've done these things, worship, community, and ministry, these don't necessarily have to be linear, but because you're discovering what's next, it's naturally going to lead to evangelism and missions and wanting more people to come to know Christ as Lord and Savior. In John chapter 4, Jesus meets the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman at the well. And by the way, at very near the very place in which this is taking place in 2 Kings chapter 7 is where Jesus meets the Samaritan woman at the well. Samaria was a city that became a region or a province that were made up of people who were half Jews and half Gentiles. The Jews hated the Samaritans. Jesus did not. Jesus reveals to the woman at the well, he is the Messiah. She believes the good news, but she can't keep it to herself. In John chapter 4, verses 28 and 30, it says, So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? And they went out of the town and were coming to him. And then again in that same chapter, John chapter 4, John chapter 4, verse 39 and following, says many... Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, It's no longer because just what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. The lepers sent word to the gate of Samaria and to the king that the enemy had fled left all of their tents and the belongings were still there. The king didn't believe it. He thought it was a trick. He said, as soon as we come out of the city, as soon as we come out of the gate, they're being hiding, they'll come to attack us. But listen to the conversation in the king's chamber. Verse 13. 1 Kings chapter 7, verse 13 says, One of his servants said, Let some men take five of the remaining horses, seeking that those who are left here will fare like the whole multitude of Israel who have already perished. Let us send and see. Five remaining horses. You probably don't have to guess what happened to the other horses that they had. 2 Kings chapter 7 and verse 14. So they took two horsemen, and the king sent them after the army of the Syrians, saying, Go and see. Well, the servant asked for five. They sent two because the king really did not believe it, reminding us that even when we share the good news, not everyone's going to believe. 
And then verse 15, so they went after them as far as the Jordan. Behold, all the way was littered with garments and equipment that the Syrians had thrown away in their haste. And the messengers returned and told the king. And now they believed. And the enemy had fled. So here's the good news that you need for encouragement. Maybe you need to share with others. The devil, the enemy, has already been defeated. The devil, the enemy, has already been defeated. Through Christ, the enemy has already been defeated. We've seen it in other chapters. In, we talked about Elijah and Elisha. We've seen it way back in the days of Moses when Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt. God defeats the enemy. And all who place their faith in the Lord Jesus no longer need to live defeated lives. Jesus has provided also the ultimate victory for your eternity and for your everyday battles. You can trust Him. See the victory in verse 16. 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 16. Send the people went, plundered the camp of the Syrians. So a say of fine flour was sold for a shekel, two say as a barley for a shekel according to the word of the Lord. The very prophecy that Elisha had given back in verse 1 had actually come about and taken place. Food would cost less. Our food doesn't necessarily cost less, does it? But the Lord didn't promise that our food would cost less. In fact, He did not promise that our life would always be fair or always be easy. But everything that He did promise has come true or will come true. Like that His presence will always be with us, that He'll never leave us nor forsake us. What about others? What about others who are spiritually starving and you found the answer, you found the source for all who would believe and follow Jesus? Oh, what can we do? Well, I'm giving you some suggestions there. Maybe you follow along in your notes. Let me encourage you to pray for lost people. Now, if you're part of Parkway Baptist Church for very long, you already know that we've encouraged every member to have at least three people in which they're praying for who are lost or unchurched. Nothing wrong with praying, Lord, save everybody. But we need to narrow that prayer. Lord, save this person. May this person come to know Jesus and call out people who are lost. If you don't know anybody, ask, pray that the Lord would send you somebody that you can pray for. You need to befriend. Be a friend to someone who is lost or unchurched. Just maybe they'll open up opportunities for conversations or maybe they'll see the difference that Jesus makes in your life. Invite. Invite somebody to church or to some place to where they will, where you will know that they'll hear the good news of the gospel. Testify. Give your testimony of how you came to know Jesus or testify to how the Lord's working in your life and be ready to share it with others. Then share the good news. In other words, as we build up courage and see open doors as the Lord continues to work in our life, you want to have the opportunity to say, Jesus died for you on the cross. He took your sins to the cross. He will forgive you. He rose again. He's alive today. And He wants to live in you. You want to be able to share the good news. And just as we begin with pray for, maybe it is the goal to pray with. Come along someone and say, I'd like to pray with you. Are you ready to accept Jesus? Let me pray with you so that you also can ask Christ into your heart and your life and you can begin to disciple as well. At least two of the buttons on my car radio... One is a Christian button and the other is a country button. Now, so I'm confessing to you now, okay? It was just confession time. 
I listen to more Christian music now than I do country. It probably used to be the other way around. So sometimes I'm not even sure what, you know, I've got a song on. A song comes on the radio the other day, and the words were, I only talk to God when I need a favor. And I only pray when I ain't got a prayer. And at first I'm thinking, well, this is going to turn into something positive. I'm on Christian radio. And then, so who am I to expect a Savior if I only talk to God when I need a favor? And he sang about amazing grace in the King James Bible, but in the midst of the songs are words that my mama taught me never to say. And I realized this must not be Christian radio any longer that I'm listening to. Uh, now, to be clear, I'm not recommending this song. But it seems that the gist of the song was, I can't expect God to do me a favor. And that may be of the world today, those who are without Christ, they're actually thinking, I really can't expect God to do me a favor even if there is a God. So here we are, Parkway Baptist Church and guests who are here today, because of God's Word and as in this story that is being said, we are being encouraged to be sure that people understand there is a God that loves them and the God that wants to do them the greatest favor ever in the universe and that is one person at a time he wants to be your savior lord and friend believe the good news share the good news for good news also comes with a warning jesus is the way and that is the good news the good news comes with a warning and he's the only way jesus is the way and the only way if you don't know Christ today and you're here today or maybe listening online today, you need to know that Jesus provides the way to salvation and to what your heart truly longs. And if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus, and you believe the very things that we've talked about today, all the good news, maybe it's encouraging for you today as well. What a great incentive we have to know that there's only one way and people need to know the way and that today, Regardless of what happens today, regardless of what you're facing personally, what's happening in the world today, today is a day of good news. Let's pray together. Gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you and we thank you for what's taking place here today that we know that you've met with us. Even though we can't see you with our physical eyes, we've seen you through the word, we've seen you through praise and prayers, and we know that you're here with us and we thank you for that. We thank you for the good news that you have to share with us today. May it continue to be encouragement as believers that there's, we can be encouraged and we can grow in Christ because of the good news that we're able to have and the good news we're able to share. We pray, Father, today if there's someone that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior that today might be the day of salvation. Even today, before we leave this place, that someone can call upon the Lord, ask Christ to be Savior and forgive them of their sins. And as believers today, may we even have more reason as we grow in Christ, that you grow in our love for others and wanting more people to come to know Jesus. Greater incentive to live for you and to share God's love. We lift up these prayers in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Would you please stand? We're going to be singing our song of commitment today. As we do, we encourage you to follow the Lord's direction in your life, whatever that is. If it's to further be committed to the Lord Jesus, it's to continue the direction that you're going. If it's to make an about face, if it's to turn and draw close to the Lord again, or maybe for the first time. If you need to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, or maybe you've done it, but you've, you've never made it public, you can come make it public today. I and some of our ministers are going to be standing down here at the front. We'd be glad for you to come and share with us. We'll be glad to share with the other 
uh, with the rest of the congregation as well. If you're looking to join a church body, you want to become part of Parkway Baptist Church, this is one way you do it. You just come let us know. I'd like to join. We'll, sit, we'll let you know next steps. Our altar's open if you'd like to come and pray today. Maybe you want to come pray for lost people. It would be okay. Or you can come pray with one of us. As we sing.